Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, church family, good morning. Man, I'm excited about continuing this series, Water Walkers, today. Uh, we started this series for the whole month of January. We're going to be talking about water walkers. And it comes out of a passage of scripture uh, that we kind of went over last week, found in Matthew chapter 14. And if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you. I know um, the weather was kind of bad and there was many of you that weren't able to make it because of road conditions. So uh, if you did miss last week, I want to encourage you, go home, get online. You can download our podcast or watch the video online on our website, uh, but just to make sure you're caught up with us uh, for the introduction of this series. But we're continuing Water Walkers today. Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to dive right into verse 29. It says this, then Peter got down out of the boat. I want us to remember that right off the bat, that the Bible says he got down because we're going to come back to this later. Peter got down. In fact, everybody say down. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. I wanna stop reading there today and I wanna talk to you from the subject, don't trip. Don't trip, okay? Because uh, today we're continuing this series, Water Walkers. And in Water Walkers, we're exploring the principle of exception. Okay. The principle of exception, we have it on the side screens, is this, that what happens with them does not dictate or determine what happens with me. And man, that is a good and encouraging principle that we can live our lives by as Christ followers. What happens with them does not dictate or determine what happens with me. What that means is just because things go a certain way for certain people doesn't mean that's the way it has to go for me. Just because the economy is affecting our community in a specific way, it doesn't have to affect me. Just because there's been addiction in my family in the past doesn't mean that has to affect me. Just because there's been depression in my past doesn't mean it has to affect me into this year in 2019. This is the principle of exception. And, and we see this and that we can hold on to this principle because God expects his followers to be the exception. That all the way back in the Old Testament, we see God said, uh, he sent this message to Pharaoh. He said, it will be different for my people than it will be for yours. He said, I'll make an exception for my people. We might go through the same things that other people go through, but we don't have to come out the same way. And that is good news. And we, we believe that because we see that God makes exceptions for his people all through scripture. And we actually, we serve Jesus. We follow Jesus who in himself, he was an exception. That people don't just get up out of the grave after they've been dead for three days. But God made an exception for Jesus and Jesus rose again. So the basis of our faith, what you and I believe is based on the faith that God makes exceptions. And a water walker asks the question, why can't that exception be me? And that's the word we use in this series. We, we use the term for a person who embraces this principle of exception uh, is calling them a water walker those who walk on top of what other people might drown in. 
right? Because water is normally on top of people, but when you're a water walker, you're walking on top of what's normally on top of other people. Say, I'm on top of it. I'm on top of it because you might be saying, I'm, I'm raising this kid all by myself, but I'm on top of it. I, I, I feel like this is difficult and I'm tired and I'm going back to school, but I'm on top of it. I mean, th- things are difficult. I'm busy. I'm exhausted, but I'm on top of it. I'm not going to be drowning in something that God meant for me to be able to walk on. I am the exception. I am a water Walker, And I believe that as we look in this passage of scripture today, there's a principle that we can pull out of it that every one of us need to learn if we want to become water walkers. If we want to become the exception ourselves, where we receive blessing and we come out of things differently than the way other people do. And this is the principle that we all have to learn that if you want to walk on water, then don't trip getting out of the boat. Okay, if you want to walk on water, don't trip getting out of the, wa- out of the boat. Because in order to step on water, there first must be some things that we have to step over. If we're going to step on water, first there are some things that we have to step over. Where do we get this from Scripture? Well, we just read it. Matthew 14, remember I pointed out the fact that it says, Peter got down out of the boat. That for Peter to get down to the wall, he had to get down out of the boat. Now, this means that if we're going to look at this story, we can't assume that this is a little boat. This is not a canoe. I remember when I was raised in kids' church um, in Sunday school, we had what was called flannel graph. How many of you grew up in church and you have seen a flannel graph board before? This was like before video screens and all that, we had like these little figurines that the teacher would put up on a board. So when they're talking about Jesus, they got like Jesus in a purple robe. His arms are stretched out. So wherever you put him, that's how he looked. And he's like eight inches tall and he had all of his disciples. And I remember they had a boat for the flannel graph as well. So anytime they had a story about a boat, it would come out, but the boat was only like four inches long. So anytime the disciples were going anywhere, the, my teacher would cram uh, Jesus and all 12 disciples that were eight inches tall into this little four inch boat right there. So I always had it pictured in my mind from being a little kid that this is like a canoe. It's tiny, but it's not. We see that, that the Bible says that, that Peter had to get down out of the boat. You don't get down out of a canoe. When you are level with the water, you climb up into the water. He, he, he had to get down. We know that this is a huge boat, big enough to carry um, 12 men plus Jesus, 13 full-grown men. In fact, another story in scripture talks about the fact that there was a storm and Jesus had fallen asleep in a different part of the boat. So the disciples had to leave the part of the boat they were in and go to a different part of the boat in order to wake Jesus up while he was asleep in the middle of the storm. So we know this is, if you have to leave a section of a boat to go to another section, that's a big boat. So this is not a canoe. This hence the reason the writer said he had to get down. So for Peter to get out of the boat, it took intentionality. He had to climb over the side of the boat and navigate his way down to the water. There are certain things that we are going to have to climb over if we're ever going to step out onto the water. And and that's something that I hope we could understand today is that that if Peter would have slipped, if he would have tripped getting out of the boat, he never would have walked on water. And see, the enemy wants to impede your ability to walk on the water by causing you to trip. 
He wants to cause you to slip and fall and mess up before you even get started. I, I, I know that there's some of you, you're looking at me uh, like a little bewildered right now, borderline confused even, like what are you talking about? But I think the truth of the matter is, if we were to honestly audit our lives, most of the time, it wasn't the devil that caused us to trip. A lot of times it was myself. I, I, I tripped myself. I wonder if we were to be honest, how many of you would say like, have you ever felt like you tripped before you even got started? Like, man, you, uh, you wanna start something new. You wanna make some changes. And before you even come out of the gates, you feel like you've messed up. It's like, I got my, my New Year's diet, I'm ready to rock, except for this piece of cake that I'm gonna eat on the first. And then, then after that, like, I, I messed up before I even got started. Like, I, I feel like sometimes that can be the condition of what happens with us. We, we want to do something amazing. We wanna get going, but we feel like we get tripped up before we even get going. Well, when we look at this story, we see that there's such a powerful principle in the fact that we have to anticipate that the enemy is going to try to put things in front of you that will cause you to trip before you even make it to where Jesus is calling you to walk. So I wanna identify four things today that you and I, if we wanna become successful in following Jesus into every amazing thing that he has for us, we gotta look out for these four things and we gotta step over them. You ready for them? Number one, if we wanna walk on water, we have to first step over opinions. Someone say opinions. Man, everybody has an opinion. <laughs> everybody has opinions. If we wanna walk on water, we have to step over the opinions of others. Now we can't forget that in the story, we see that Peter was in the boat with 11 other men, 11 other guys. And we know a little bit about their personalities just from reading through the scriptures. We see that there was a man on the boat by the name of Thomas. And we call him Doubting Thomas because the Bible describes the fact that he so constantly was a cynical person who doubted um, what was going on around him. So even after Jesus's resurrection, he, he died and rose again. He's walking around showing people his scars and, and showing that he was raised from the dead. And in doing so, when Thomas heard about Jesus. He said, ah, I won't believe that unless I see it with my own eyes. Unless I can touch his scars myself, I won't believe it. He was cynical, he was a doubter. So he was the type of person we know would look at a situation and look for the negative in it. And then we see that there were James and John. These were some assertive men. They were ambitious men. So much so that they were grown men, adult men, and they convinced their mother to go to Jesus and ask Jesus, would you make a seat of honor for my son so they could sit on your right and the left? He, they talked their mama into going and talking to Jesus. Uh, grown men, like imagine you sending your mom to your boss and asking your boss for a raise or something like, like this is how ambitious they were. They, they wanted to see things happen in a certain way. We got, we got Matthew, who's a tax collector. We got Luke, who, who was a physician. So we have highly su successful, ambitious, opinionated men that were all in the boat with Peter. And you, do you mean to tell me that when Peter decides to step out of the boat, all 11 of these highly ambitious, um, opinionated men are gonna stay silent? <laughs> I don't think so. We all have opinions, right? We see them everywhere. Everyone's opinions pop up all the time. And, and a lot of times people will spew out their opinions to one another about you. That's how it comes up a lot. And you could imagine that they, they had their opinions about Peter and they probably started discussing among themselves. Oh, look at Peter. <laughs> Who's he think he is? Is he really climbing over the side of the boat? What's he gonna do right now? Seriously, boy can't even swim. What is he thinking right now? 
And we don't know if Peter heard anything that was said about him or not. But what we do know is one of the strategies of the enemy is that the devil would try to make sure that you hear the opinions of other people. Because if he can just get us to bite into the doubts that other people have about us, he's hoping that we will start to believe those same doubts about ourselves. That's what the enemy will do. He'll, he'll, he'll try to cause us to, to get tripped up on the opinions of other people. If I can just get them to believe that they're no good, that they can't do it, that they don't have it within themselves. See, this is what the enemy tries to do. But if you and I are ever gonna walk on water, we have to be the type of people who are willing to step over the opinions of other people. We can't assume that for Peter, those men that were in the boat were silent or supportive. But another thing that we have to point out is the fact that Peter had relationship with these men. These weren't strangers. These weren't the opinions of strangers. In fact, if you are going to walk on water, you have to step over the opinions of people that helped you row to get where you're going. That there are gonna be people in your life that you do life with, that you love. They care for you, they, they support you, they, they got your back, but then now all of a sudden they have opinions about you that aren't helpful to where you're at right now. And see, when it comes to Peter, he wasn't surrounded by a bunch of strangers because it's easier sometimes to just blow off the opinions of strangers. But these are men that were a part of his life. And I wonder how often we have people that are close to us in our lives that have opinions that don't line up to what God wants for our life. And when we try to step out, they got an issue with it. See, it's something that we see for all people who follow this principle of exception in scripture. That to be a water walker, you, you have to step over the opinions of people you value. A great example of this would be King David. Because many of you know the story of when, when King David was a child, he actually uh, fought and defeated a Philistine giant by the name of Goliath. Well, there, there's an overlooked part of the story. And, and many times people overlook the fact that before David ever stepped foot onto the battlefield, he had to first fight off the opinions of people that he cared about. The very people that he was there to fight for were the people that were criticizing him and had opinions about what he should do and how he should do it. And they had opinions about his motives. And, and we look at this in the story and we see that some of the closest people around him, his family even had opinions about him. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It says, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him. So look at this. I don't want you to miss it. This is David's brother. It's an older brother. We, we can assume he, he looked up to him. He cared about him. He loved him, cared what he thought, right? And it says he burned with anger at him and asked, have you come, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? See, anytime anyone minimizes your responsibilities, they're intimidated by your capabilities. Anytime someone would look at the responsibilities you have and they're like, oh, that's nothing. You don't understand yet. You just wait until you have real responsibilities. You just wait until you're working a real job. You just wait until you have this family. You just wait until your kids are this old. Anytime someone minimizes where you are, they're, they're intimidated by your capabilities. Because if you look at and see the capabilities in someone else and the, the, the pride that would rise up in a person that would cause us to not be able to speak that out, instead we become blind to and, 
and we start minimizing a person's capabilities. And that's what we see here. He's going, man, what you're dealing with is no big deal. You just, where are those few little sheep you got? That's nothing important. Why are you even here? And he says, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. So first he's minimized them. Now he is criticizing the motives of David's heart. Man, this is someone that David loves. I know how wicked your heart is. Now, now he's calling David's heart wicked while scripture teaches us that God says that David is a man after God's own heart. So here we've got a man that, that David loves that has a different opinion about his heart than what God assesses David's heart to be. Because God says, this, this man's got a, his heart is all the way after mine. He loves me, he's, he's pursuing me. And you got someone in David's life go, no, he's wicked. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. So here's another accusation. Well, if you, yet if you know the story, if you've read this before and you're familiar with it, you know the, David's not there to watch the battle. The only reason David showed up in the first place because he was home doing chores. He was taking care of his father's house and his father said, hey, I want you to run an errand for me and take this food out to your brothers who are with the army and they're out there on the battlefield. They need some food, so go feed your brothers. So here David is with the sole purpose, his motives were to come and feed his brothers and help his brothers and he's being judged by the very people he's trying to feed. Man. There's some of you in this room, you know exactly how it feels. The very people you're trying to help, the very people you're trying to support, the very people you're paying their bills, you're taking care of them. They're the very ones that have opinions about you that are hurting you so deeply. I wonder if you're able to, to walk through that. Are you able to step over the opinions of other people who you care about? Because here's the truth. If you're going to walk on water, sometimes you do have to do it without the validation of an Iliab. When you've got people in your life who, who they helped you row to get where you are. And they remember like you back where you, when, when you were younger and they remember who you used to be in the past and they helped you get to where you are. But now you hear God calling you to something greater, God calling you to do something on a deeper level and, and their opinions come out that are different. And they, I wonder, are you able to step through people around you um, misinterpreting your motives? Looking at you going, no, see, your heart's wicked. You're in this for the wrong reason. You're just trying to be better than us. You think you're better than we are because, because you're just trying to better yourself. Like, I wonder, because how often do we get misinterpreted? When we start to try to do what God wants us to do, when we step forward and make changes in our lives, because people start to look at you and you're like, oh, now you think you're something, right? You used to be on the boat with us. We used to be all good. And now you're trying to make changes. And you're like, and, and the truth is, if you're going to step on the water, you got to step over the opinions of people that, that do value, do care for you, but their opinions are wrong. And you got to be able to, to be okay with them saying, you're not going to make it. And you've got to do it anyway. When they say, you're going to drown in that water, you got to do it anyway. When they say, you're going to fall flat on your face or you're too old for this, do it anyway. You're too young for this, do it anyway. Because you are a water walker and God made you to be an exception. Man, it makes me ask a question. It's like, 
This is something that has driven me nuts over the years, and I hope you'll ask this question too. When people have a problem with you moving forward into what God wants you to do in your life, and they start to criticize you on that, it's like, wait a minute, let me ask you, why does all the responsibility of loyalty in our relationship fall on me? Where like, I'm only loyal to you if I stay stuck here in the boat with you. Why do I have to stay stuck on this level? Why can't you take some of the responsibility and come out on the water with me, right? Why do we only have a relationship if we're staying stuck in the past? I think it's time for us to move forward. And see, we've got to be the type of people that go, you know what, I'm okay stepping forward with people that don't like what I'm going to do. They've got opinions about it, and they've got stuff to say. So I'm going to step over their opinions. I'm going to walk out on water no matter what you say. So you can get as creative you as you want with all of your adjectives about who I am and how I am. But when you're done with that sentence, add another adjective. Add water walker on the end of that sentence because that's what I want you to remember me by. And since you have so much to say, add blessed to the end of that sentence, all right? Add healed, add whole, because I am not going to stay stuck here anymore. I was not made for the boat. And we got to remember, this is not about superiority. It's not about me thinking I'm better. It's me recognizing, no, I'm different. That it's okay. It's okay if you want to stay in your comfort zone. It's okay if you want to stay in the boat, but I was not made for the boat. I want everything that Jesus wants for me. So for Peter to walk on the water, he had to recognize that, wait a minute, opinions are just opinions. And I've got to step over these opinions if I'm gonna be successful. Because if you think about this, like really, what do opinions add to our life? Because if you have someone in your life who is not investing in you, and they're not praying for you, and they're not assisting you, then what value does their opinion add to you? Let me ask you that again. If you have someone in your life who's not assisting you and investing you and interceding for you, praying for you, then what value does their opinion have in your life? Because if they're in your life and they don't add any value to your life when they're there, then when they're gone, you didn't literally lose anything, did you? Oh, now we're going a little heavy. That's a little too much on a Sunday morning, right? But, but if you got someone, they're a part of your life. They don't add anything to you. They don't assist you. They're not praying for you. Then, then when they're gone, did you really lose anything? Because every loss is not a loss. You have to do the math. Okay, every loss is not a loss. You have to do the math. I have to assess, is this person investing into me? Are they praying for me? Are they assisting me? Because am I valuing someone's opinion that really has nothing to do with me? Because, because we, we got to recognize that, that there's certain weight we should put on certain people's opinions in our lives because they're trying to help us. But for the most part, when people just are talking to just talk, we don't need to be tripping over their opinions. Because if, if I'm tripping over the opinions of another person, what I'm really doing is I'm ego tripping. Because if all I get from your opinion is, is the validation of you being okay with me, like you're not adding anything to me except for you being, me being okay with you, then I'm tripping over my own ego and wanting to be loved by people. So it's like, I'm ego tripping. I'm not even making it to the water because I'm tripping getting out of the boat. You can't trip on opinions if you want to walk on water. The second thing that we see Peter had to step over was he had to step over isolation. You have to step over feelings of seasons of isolation if you wanna walk on water. Because we see here that remember for Peter to walk on water, 
When he stepped out of the boat and walked away, he walked away from 11 people that he cared about, 11 friends that he was close to, 11 friends that heard the same call from God to walk out onto the water, but he did it and they didn't. And that left him alone for a short period. See, the cost of being the exception is dealing with seasons of isolation. That's not a fun thing to hear, but it's the truth. Because you can't be rare without being in rare air. Like, let me put it in a very simple way. You can't be different without being different, <laughs> right? I can't be exceptional without being the exception. And yet how often do we want to be used in an exceptional way, but we're unwilling to be different than the crowd? Like, I, I want to be the exception, but don't make me different than anyone. I'd rather be comfortable. And so many people miss their calling. and They don't follow their calling because they value the comfort of the crowd so much more than the calling of God. So I, I don't want to be, the, see, if you're going to be exceptional, if, if you're going to follow this principle of exception, you have to be okay being different. You have to be okay being the only one that looks like you in certain rooms. Because if other people are looking at you going, why are you here? You're the only one of your age here. You're the only one of your gender here. It's like, they're looking at you going, you're the exception. Why, why are you? Because I'm the exception. Because I'm the difference here. Because like, I know what normal is, but I'm not normal. Why? Because I follow God and God has something he wants to do in my life. So yeah, I've got to be okay with being in a room with a group of people going, what are you doing here? And confident enough in myself to say to myself, not to them, but to say to myself, I'm here because I should be here. Because I, I've prayed to be here. Because I've worked twice as hard as you have to be here. I'm here because I am the exception. We got to be okay being, being different. Because anytime you, you choose to follow Jesus and do something that he's calling you to do, you're going to find yourself in, in seasons where you f might feel isolated. Because anytime you're the first to do something, you're the only one to do something. If you're the first woman to get that job, you gotta be okay with being in a season where you're the only woman doing that job. If you're the first one, person of your age bracket to do that job, you gotta be okay being the only person for a season of your age bracket. And, and again, like I said a moment ago, we can't, we can't choose comfort over calling because our calling, when God calls us to do things that are exceptional, it's not comfortable. Let's look at, Jesus modeled it. I mean, the cross wasn't comfortable. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he found himself in a season in your calling. You will find yourself when you're following God in seasons where you feel isolated and you feel forsaken. Why? Because sometimes you're gonna be the only one that steps out. And Peter stepped out of the boat on a word that every one of the disciples heard. He was the only one that stepped out and he was the exception because he was obedient to God when other people are like, ah, I'm good, I'm comfortable. And they stayed stuck in the boat. So if you wanna walk on water, you gotta step over the opinions of others. You gotta step over feelings of isolation. And then you gotta step over number three, inadequacy. You gotta step over the feelings of inadequacy. That's, that's what we see Peter do. He, he's navigating the feelings of inadequacy with the question to Jesus. Look what he asked Jesus. He said, if it's you, tell me to come. 
Okay, there's so much in this because we recognize that when Peter's walking on water, it's not so much, we talked about this last week, not so much that he's walking on water as much as he's walking on the word. That God gave him a command. He, he gave him a word and Peter is just being obedient to it. He's not walking on water just for the sake of walking on water. He's just trying to be obedient and follow God. So he said, I, I, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. And what is he doing? He, he is doing what a lot of us do. He's wrestling with the feelings of inadequacy. I see you walking on the water. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I have it within me. I don't even know what to do. So he asked the question, can, can I do this? Like, are you going to tell me? Because he knows if Jesus says to come, Jesus is never going to call us to do anything that he hasn't already given us the ability to accomplish. He's never going to call you to, to, to do anything outside of what he's already gifted you to be able to do. So he'll say, come. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Now Peter's got it. He's like, that's confirmation that I could step out on this water and I can do something. It doesn't make sense. I don't see any evidence of the fact that I can walk on water. But what this must mean is just the fact that Jesus told me to do it means he's about to introduce me to new dimensions of myself. And the fact that somewhere deep inside me, I have the ability to obey him and follow him, even though it doesn't makes sense. And man, God will tell us to do things and you're like, ah, it doesn't make sense. I don't know if I have the ability. I feel inadequate to be able to do that. And he'll say, I want you to forgive that person. You go, I can't. You got to understand God never told you to forgive him other than the fact that he already gave you the ability to forgive him. He, he, he never, he never asked you to serve other than the fact that he already gave you the ability to serve. He, he never asked you to give other than the fact that he's given you the ability to give. So you might look at it and assess the situation and go, I don't feel adequate to this. I don't feel like I got the skill set or the abilities, but your God only calls you to do what he will give you the ability to do. So we have this feeling of inadequacy that sometimes we wrestle with and every one of us in this room do. I wrestle constantly was feeling like, like, God, do I have this today? Have you, have you put in me what I need to be the husband in this situation, to be the father in this situation, to be the pastor in this situation? And the answer that God gives us is he would never ask you to do anything that he hasn't already empowered you to be successful in. That, that if he told you to forgive that person, that you have it within you to be able to forgive that person. And, and we look at all this and, and we say, why, why is this all so important, this inadequacy stuff? Well, if, if we don't address it, if we don't learn how to step over it, then what we're going to do is we, we might not even try to do what God asks us to do. Or when we try, we might try wrong. And you can try wrong. You can attempt to move forward in life by, by trying with the wrong attitude and heart. You can, you can be trying because of desperation and, and, and doubt and fear and thinking like you're gonna fail and you're just trying to survive. When God wants us to try it with, with expectation and hope, and he wants us to move forward with the confidence of knowing that, that if he told me to do it, I can do it. It's like when I'm teaching my daughters new sports, Amelie and I are both on the same page with this where we want them to be confident. So everything they do, it's tried so many new sports and dance and competitions and all that. We'll pull them aside and we'll tell them, you've got this. You got, you're the best one out here. And they're like, dad, we've never played this sport. And I'm like, you, but you're still the best one out here. You got this, right? 
It's like I, I heard uh, a parent teaching their kid how to uh, shoot hoops in basketball, and he was telling them, I want you, every time you shoot the hoop, to uh, shoot the ball, believe it's going in. I want you to let it hang. So have some swag with it where when you shoot it, shoot it with confidence and let it hang. You might miss it by six feet, but every time, shoot it and let it hang. Believe you got it in you. Don't just go around there hoping and wishing because when God tells you to do something, we should all do what he tells us to do believe in, look, I'm going to see success because I'm the exception. It's like I look at everyone else around me and they struggle with the same things, the same addictions, the same problems, the same failed marriages, but I can be the exception. Even when we feel inadequate, we've got to be people who, God, I'm asking you, can I do this? And his answer to us is always come, come. I, I never would have showed you this. I never would have exposed you to something that I'm not willing to let you succeed in. So if you wanna be successful and walk on water, the type of person that walks on what other people drown in, you gotta step over opinions. You gotta be able to step over the feelings of isolation, feelings of inadequacy. And then the last thing before we dismiss today is you gotta be able to step over unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, what does that have to do with this sermon? What does that have to do with water walkers and the story with Peter? Like it has everything to do with it. Because unforgiveness is an impediment to walking on water because it mixes our motives for, for achievement. It dilutes the purity of our motives because it, we see that when Peter walked on water, his motives were to get to Jesus. He wasn't walking on water just to walk on water. He said, Jesus, if it's you, ask me to come to you. He said, come. So, so his, his whole goal and his whole focus was on Jesus and he's walking towards Jesus. But when you have unforgiveness in your heart, your motive switch from, from trying to get to Jesus to, to trying to show someone from your past that look, you're successful, you're making it. Because I think that's the way a lot of us try to be successful in life. It's like, okay, Jesus, I'll walk on water, but first take my phone and put this on live because I want to make sure they see. I want to make sure my ex sees me and sees that I'm out here doing good. I'm walking. I'm all right. I want to make sure that those people that told me I'm never going to make it, that look, that is my name up on the sign over there. I want them to see that. So Jesus, are you recording? Because I ain't doing this unless you're recording, Jesus. Put it on live right now. Because I know they're not liking my pictures, but they're on my feed. So, so Jesus, are you, are, are you doing this for them and, and it's like this is exactly what got in the way for Peter because Peter was successful the Bible says he was walking towards Jesus focused on Jesus he's going to Jesus he's being obedient he's after Jesus and all of a sudden the Bible says when he saw the wind I mean, you can't see the wind you, you can see the effects of the wind on trees and on the water and stuff like that what happened he he felt something that caused him to be distracted. And now he's not looking at Jesus anymore. He's looking at what are the effects of this wind I'm feeling? Oh, look, it's affecting the water. It's affecting the... And now his focus isn't on Jesus. His focus is on things that should be in the periphery. So now, now he's sinking in the water because it, now is his goal to get to Jesus or is his goal just not to sink? And I think that's why a lot of us need to recognize that that's what happens when we have unforgiveness in our lives is we succeed when our goal is just to get to Jesus. And when our goal switches from getting to Jesus to proving everybody else wrong and just one-upping everyone else, then we're looking all, all the places we shouldn't be looking. And now we're looking at the trouble and we're looking at the problems and we're looking at the hurt and we're looking at the failure. And we found ourselves drowning on what we were just walking on. You see, 
This is all a matter of learning how to focus. Unforgiveness in your heart will cause you to not have focus. Because to walk on water, you have to have vision, but you have to more importantly have focus. Can you focus on Jesus? Now, many of us have been to the eye doctor. You've had a checkup where they put the chart out in front of you and, and you see the chart that's got all the lines on it and, and the doctor will come in and say, I want you to read for me off of line three. Well, well, what's happening is the fact that I can see the chart and I can see the doctor and I can see the room means that I have vision. But what is the doctor asking me to do? He's saying, I want you to discipline your mind to stop looking at everything that you can look at and start focusing on the only thing that matters right now. That's focus. That, that you, we, there's a lot of things you and I can look at. We can look at junk from the past and we can look at people's opinions. We can look at all sorts of distractions, but, but can we stop and focus on the fact that the only way we're gonna be successful in life is if we keep our eyes on Jesus. Because church family, I believe that God has empowered every one of us and given us the ability, set us apart as his kids to be the type of people who walk on what other people drown in. And we can be successful. We can be the exception when it doesn't look like anyone else is doing well. We can still come out of situations better. Why? Because our focus is on Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we know that in this series, there's, there, there's a lot that you wanna teach us about being people who succeed, being people who move forward, being people who get the very best of what you want for us. But I believe that there's a lot of us in this room, we've been distracted, distracted by the opinions of others, distracted by feelings of isolation and inadequacy and, and God distracted by unforgiveness. So I pray right now as you speak in each of our hearts that you would just help convict us and show us what you wanna change in us, what, what work you're doing on us right now, that God, we would be the type of people who wouldn't get tripped up and fall before we even take a step. So God, help us, help each and every one of us in this room to, to be people who can walk out to you no matter where you go. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. I love you, church family. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.